Wait, how would how would all of the neighbors not know about the crazy peacock guy with all the shipping containers in his front yard? Right, right. So when I was this is before I moved in, like I was telling people where I got my my house, where I was gonna, you know, the house I was renting, and they were like, "Oh, by the peacock guy," because uh, so everybody knew about this guy. Like this guy was infamous. Uh, in the town, and the town tried to ban him from having peacocks. They tried to ban him from having his junk everywhere. Um, they tried to get rid of his, his storage containers, but they couldn't get him to do it. So when I moved in, wasn't a big deal. As long as you stay indoors and keep the windows shut, you don't really, you're not really that <laughs> bothered by these peacocks. Um, so it was but, legitimately um, the movie The Birds. It was Alfred Hitchcock's yeah, The Birds, kind of, uh, but. <laughs> <laughs> I do Stay indoors, keep the windows closed. Th- yes. The, the day I moved in, um, a peacock walked up my uh, front door, uh, you know, the front door walkway, the sidewalk that yeah. gets the front door, and uh, took a dump right in the middle of it and then walked away. Um, so that's Welcome how, to the neighborhood. <laughs> welcome to the neighborhood. That's, that's what these peacocks are. Like, they are very rude. <laughs> What's up, y'all? I'm Zach. And I'm Steve, and this is Fireside Swift. So it's been a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and I kind of feel bad about that. Um, I was on vacation last weekend, and uh, the day that we said we were going to record, I was still driving when we were supposed to record, trying to drive back home. Um, and then so, and then just like the next time we tried to plan it, it just didn't work out. So it's Okay, so... Those are lies. Um, oh, are they? <laughs> well, when, when I called you, you were not driving. When I called you, you were at your parents' Good point. house. I had just taken a break at my parents' house. Yeah. So, te- But I wasn't home yet. I was going to be driving further. That's what I was thinking about it. And, I was technically still on the road. And in which city were you vacationing in? I was in Las Vegas. And, but that has nothing to do with any of this, right? And only the fact that it's five hours away, <laughs> at least when there's traffic. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, yeah. we are sorry that we missed last week. We really tried to sync up. Um, you know, Steve was out of town, and then I had some previous commitments that I had to stay um, stay on. You know, I couldn't I couldn't push. Uh, and yep. unfortunately, that night was pretty much the only night that Steve could record. So, yep. Yep, and so, yeah, long story short, we're recording today, and we're getting back on schedule. Um, that being said, though, uh, it's kind of a PSA to everyone out there. Um, my schedule's looking to get really busy in the next couple months, so um, just want to apologize ahead of time. Get, a, get in front of this. Zach and I may not be able to record every week. We are going to still try to, but there's potentially more issues like this that could arise and we are human (laughs) so he was reading me his schedule before we started recording and um it's looking bleak yeah (laughs) so again we are going to make every effort to record every week but um there's just gonna be some times that we can't make it happen and uh we're sorry ahead of time but we're gonna keep trying to deliver a quality product um you know the product being this podcast <laughs> every week, um, at least as much as we possibly can. 
Yes, we, we love interacting with you on a weekly basis, um, and we don't want that to go away, so we're going to do everything we can. Uh, wish us luck, basically, is what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah please, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I guess one of the negative things about working for a startup, I mean, I love working for a startup, and I love what I'm doing, but, man, there are just times when you just don't have a life. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's things that you want to do outside of, of work, and you just don't have that time, so... Yep. Yeah. So it's his life. We will uh, do our best, but we can't yes. unfortunately make any promises. Yeah. And that being said, uh, this week's podcast episode is brought to you by SwiftFest. Uh, we've talked about it the last, I think, two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this is a conference that's in Boston, Massachusetts on June 18th and 19th. So that's coming up real quick. Um, it's going to be iOS development focused only, uh, may, and literally just on Swift iOS development. Get that Objective-C stuff out of here. Exactly. <laughs> um, and for listeners of Fireside Swift, there is a discount code for 20% off a ticket if you haven't purchased one yet. Um, in all honesty, this ticket expires the or this discount expires the first week of June. When in that first week of June, we're not really sure. Um, but yeah. this episode is going to go out on the 31st. So if you're listening listening to this day one and you haven't bought a ticket and you would like to, you can use the, uh, the discount code FIRESIDE20 at checkout. That's FIRESIDE20. And you can get yourself 20% off your ticket. Yep. Yeah, so uh, hopefully you can do that in time, and uh, no promises after June 1st. Um, so yeah. sorry about that, guys. Oh, and that, that website is uh, swiftfest.io. I guess it's probably a good idea to let them know where to go to yeah, purchase the ticket. that would be good. Yep. We'll put it in the show notes, too, so you don't forget about it. Of course. <laughs> Uh, or do we have any follow-up that we need to cover? Um, our buddy, Mr. McSwiftface, has finally admitted defeat. Regarding <laughs> Equatable, and that, I'm just going to leave it at that. We can just move on. Well, moving on. Yeah, we've spent <laughs> enough time on that already. Uh, Yariv, um, let me know on our Slack team that uh, when a view gets rotated, the frame actually changes. The frame is still always a rectangle, but it will grow when the view is rotated. So that's worth noting. Um, actually, the, the frame and the, the bounds change when mm-hmm. it rotates. Um, the bounds also changes when a scroll view changes its scroll offset. So remember when I said something about X and Y are like always zero in bounds? Why do they even put it there? Um, and it's because of things like when you're in a scroll view and the offset changes, bounds change as well. Mm-hmm. So that's that's worth uh, worth uh, knowing there. So it's something that you I guess I've spent all my entire iOS career not knowing that. So take it or leave it, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's something worth knowing. It's very it's kind of important. Knowledge. Yeah, super very important. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stephen Sherry of the Learn Swift podcast also educated me on the importance of bounds. And I'm just going to read the direct quote because it was, it was too much for me just to condense. So here we go. He said, bounds are important because a subview should not be concerned with the coordinate system of its parent parent view grandparent view possibly um only its immediate ancestor so using the frame for everything would make every coordinate of every single subview of a subview of a subview be dependent on one single root view 
All right, is everybody with me so far? Because I, uh, <laughs> you could also think of this like describing how you decorate or arrange your house. If you want your couch to be placed against the east living room wall and centered along that wall, you wouldn't care where the wall is in relation to the outer perimeter of the house. It would be pretty annoying if you had to tell an interior decorator where you wanted the couch in relation to the outer perimeter of your house instead of just saying, put the couch against the east living room wall and center it along that wall. End quote. I think that's that's a really good analogy. Uh, then that is why I couldn't leave any of it out. So thank yeah. you, Stephen, for uh, setting setting me right um, with that. Yeah, fantastic. Um, another one of our, our friends on Twitter, uh, Chad, um, also the other Ford that is a car, um, <laughs> wanted to remind us that uh, when you're dragging between views in Xcode, uh, you know, from a storyboard to um, the assistant view, um, you can also right-click and drag instead of control and drag. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, it's like I knew this a long time ago, but I stopped using a mouse forever ago so and it's it's kind of a pain to use two fingers to click on a view and drag that way control clicking is so much easier so i think that's why i just put it out of my head what's but, what's even funnier yeah. is that is how i do all of my auto layout stuff and i just you know i didn't totally think it, I didn't, it. <laughs> didn't think it was important didn't think it was important yeah. to bring up in the episode it's fine yeah, so there you go. If you have a, you know, if you're one of those people that that has a mouse and uh, you get two buttons on there, um, or you know, a magic mouse that has sort of a second button, um, <laughs> know that you could just do a right click and drag, and you don't have to worry about hitting your your control button on the keyboard. Yep. Or uh, commit. Yeah, control button. Yeah. Yep. Um, we wanted to say congrats to Taylor uh, at PHC Taylor on Twitter. He got his first contract a few days ago and wanted a recommendation for a new monitor. I said I just use a cheap Acer. You know, I just wanted the extra <laughs> screen real estate after buying the MacBook Pro and all of the associated dongles. I didn't have a ton of cash to spend on a monitor as well, so I just wanted something that would give me more room. Um, <laughs> All right, so I see what you have in the note here now. Uh, I'm not reading that because that's not true. Are you sure? Um, so my my suggestion to him was, like, don't worry too much about the extra monitor. Like, if you really want an extra monitor, get an extra monitor. But it doesn't have to be the top line. I Honestly, what I was trying to say is I think too many develops, developers out there say you need to have a second monitor. You need to have a 40-inch screen, and you it has to be so many pixels and all that. You don't need that, especially when you're getting started, especially when you're on a budget. Don't waste your money on that because the reality is I made my first three apps using an 11-inch MacBook Air. Um, and I did not use an external monitor. I got my first couple contracts and earned the money and eventually bought a second monitor, bought a larger MacBook Pro. Um, and so like, I, I don't think to be an iOS developer, you don't need six screens. Like you don't, or you don't need a screen so large that you, you got to turn your head to see the whole thing. Um, but it does help. And and I will say, like, I do operate with two monitors. I've got a really cheap Acer monitor sitting next to my MacBook. Uh, right now, I'm actually reading my notes off of it because I, I use the main screen of my Mac for my programming because it's prettier. You know, it's got, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, and I, I'm used to using that. But I also use Spaces as well. 
and spaces are just like having a monitor right next to your other monitor. And so I've gotten used to using spaces, especially if you use the touchpad or yeah, if you use the, yeah, the touchpad, that's what it's called. Um, and use the gestures with that. It's really easy to move between spaces and it's like having extra monitors. So that's where I was going with that. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, not that I hate more space, Zach. You hate more space um, and doing things the easy way, um, which is why you live in California. Anyway, um, E Man suggested a 34 inch curved LG monitor, which looks nice. Uh, Tony said he loves his twin monitors plus his keyboard, and Mr. McSwiftface said working on his 5K LG was bliss. So, so what, whatever works for you, whatever you can afford, but you don't need an extra monitor. And just to all the listeners, I'm curious because, you know, there was a wide variety of answers here. You know, what do you use? Let us know on Twitter because I'm, I'm really curious. Are <laughs> yeah. you like, are you like, like I'm, Steve yeah, who, uh, who doesn't care for, you know, ease of use and um, just better quality of life? Or are you like everybody I, I, else? Well, See, this this makes me feel like we're being elitist here. This is why I don't like this discussion. I, I actually really don't want to hear from, from any of you guys uh, because, in all honesty, it is interesting, but I'm really more concerned with how you get your work done. And, the, and we I, don't need... Like, you don't need to spend gobs of money on an extra monitor to get work done. No, you, you don't need so, to, but... So I, I would like to hear from the people that don't spend thousands of dollars on monitors... <laughs> <laughs> I'm really curious how many people are out there that buy MacBook Airs like today and program on those because honestly you can do that and you can you can be an iOS developer on a budget and yes. I'm more curious about those people than the people who spend thousands of dollars on external devices yes. for doing this. You can. I'm just curious as to what people's setups are because I've got my one monitor. I would actually I think one is probably good for me. Come to think of it, so the yeah. the MacBook Pro and the one monitor—that's kind of my sweet spot. I think. And you and you keep your MacBook Pro open or closed? Open. You keep closed, right? Oh, open. open. Okay. Open. So you do like I do. You've got another cheap monitor next to you, and you. That's you it. Kind of move between. Yeah. And I don't need it to be, you know, top of the line. I just want I just want the real estate. Yeah, I, I think I bought this this monitor for like a hundred bucks or something like that, or maybe even less than that. That's that's so. about where mine was. Yeah, you can you could definitely do this on a budget. There's no reason to spend so much money. <laughs> well, I won't say there's no reason. There's definitely reason. And if if that's how you want to spoil yourself, go ahead and do it. Um, you do you. But um, I don't know. I, I think there's too much bragging out there <laughs> about this that it, you definitely don't need it. Is kind of where I'm going with this. Don't no. feel bad because you don't have so, a giant curved monitor. Right. And I'll, I'll agree with you. You don't need it. Not at all. Um, yeah. That being said, I do think having an extra one is nice. Yeah. And if you really think about the default that you get when you buy a MacBook Pro, the default is the screen itself, right? Right. Yes. And and, and you're the user of that computer. Being the user so, and, and seeing the default, you know, that's just, that's how so Apple you, sells it, right? Exactly. And so you could almost call that the user default of the hardware. You know, it's been a long time since we've done a really, really crappy uh, segue. But I think we just yeah, so I, did our next one. I'm, br I'm bringing it back. Yep. Good job. <laughs> that, was, that was appropriately terrible. 
<laughs> All right, so uh, tonight we are talking about uh, user defaults. Mm-hmm. So, Zach, what are user defaults? The user defaults class uh, provides a programmatic interface for interacting with the default system. So it's something that Swift gives to you. Uh, it's an API, basically, that will let you... Um, let you uh, manipulate the default system. That means almost nothing to me. <laughs> like, it sounds like, okay, so I can manipulate the system. But like, really what we're talking about here is persistence, right? Yes, yes. So this is, I, I think this is the absolute easiest way to do persistence in iOS apps. <laughs> well, I know... It, it, and in the it, past, we, t- we talked about uh, core data, right? Yes, and it depends on what you want to persist. Yes, and so I think that's what we're going to get with this, is core data is good for one type of persistence. This is good for another type of persistence. Mm-hmm. But um, I digress. Uh, what else, like, essentially, what can you do with user defaults? So you can basically, you know, change your app based on what a user has set for their defaults. Um, So if a user says their preferred language is Spanish, then your app could then, you know, given, given that you do the proper legwork, uh, be um, written in Spanish, not written in Spanish, be, yeah, the the language could be rendered in Spanish. That's what I was going for. Because I was like, I don't want to say written in Spanish because I don't think so. But yes, yes, it'll be rendered in Spanish. Yeah. And um, I see you have a question in the, the show notes here. Um, is there one user default database on your phone, or is it stored on an app-by-app basis? Yes. And this is actually, I have theories about this. I actually do not know the answer to this. Do you know the answer to this? I do not know the answer to this. Okay, I figure that's but why I, the question be, was there. I would love to hear what your theories are. Um, my theory is that there is multiples of these shared uh databases like um but uh you can only have one per app is my theory um i would love because i uh, literally i've only used the uh uh the default one which is called standard i believe the standard user defaults Mm -hmm. um and so i've only used that one I'd be curious, is it possible, I'm going to throw this out to the ether, does anybody know, can you create more than one user defaults database instead of just the standard one? Because I've never even tried to. So we'll skip that question for now since we both don't know the answer to it. I think it's an interesting question. And let's see if uh, somebody else can find the answer for us and we'll be able to answer that next week. Yep. Do you think the standard default database should actually have been named the default default database? I actually think it is because when you think about we actually Zach and I had a a quick discussion about this before we started the episode Um, when you create or when you instantiate singletons um, within uh, within iOS the ones that Apple has created almost every single time it's like dot default Uh, and I could see why they don't want it to be user defaults dot default because that's weird (laughs) but uh it also breaks a little bit of the pattern that they've done in the past so i know i I still think it should probably be dot default but (laughs) i don't know i I would not have thought to do dot standard yeah someone did and that's how it is yeah so there you go um 
So why why is this useful? What what does this do for me? So as a developer, you you don't know exactly how your user is going to want your app configured, right? Yeah. So guessing at that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so this will allow users of your apps to decide how they want your app configured and then persist those choices throughout subsequent app launches. So, right. And I think that's the key right there. Right, exactly. So it doesn't go away when they close the app or kill the app or you know it dies. Yeah. Um, next yep. time they open it up, it will be exactly how they wanted it to be. Yeah, it's like, um, oh... Uh, I'm trying to think of where I've seen this before, but I know there's like a remember this uh, this answer or something like that. Um, I don't know. Let's just say you're you want to remind be reminded daily. So this this app is like a um, an app that has uh, positive messages that sent that notifies you daily for, mm-hmm. and you set the time that you want to be reminded daily for that. Uh, as soon as you set that time, that itself could be a user default. And, you know, that way, every single time you start the app, it knows to show you, hey, this is the time you set to remind you every day. Uh, and you could change it. And the next time you start, it would be that that new time. Yep. So that's one of those things that you could do. You Literally, anything you think of in settings could be part of user defaults. And I think, are they not? Um, they don't have to be. I mean, yeah. you can store settings in any way you want to persist. Right. Uh, you can save it as a file. You could save it in core data. You can use Realm. You could use any one of these other things. However, well, instantiating uh, the standard user defaults database and placing objects in it and pulling objects from it is so easy, I, I would not use one of the other methods. Right. No, and I was, I was actually talking about the settings app on your phone, like the default oh, oh. Apple settings app. I... Let's see here. I haven't really messed with that, to be honest, um, except for like the standard Apple location settings and all that. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably not the best person to ask. Um, there is a way to add settings to that. I believe hmm, I'm not going to come out and say that it has to be through uh, user defaults, but I think it is better if it is. So I, I don't know. I, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I would, in general, have those in user defaults, but that's because user defaults just seems like the place to put that. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if if they created it, why wouldn't they run it off of that? Exactly. But I, I I don't know if it seems like that's something that settings would only have access to. That settings would not have access to any of the other ways to persist data, and so it would make sense that user defaults is done the way it's, it is. Uh, but I, like I said, I have not done that, so I can't speak too much into what settings can or cannot have access to within your app. Yep. Perfect. Yeah, so we'll leave it at that. And, <laughs> hey, that's another question for the Ether. Uh, let us know uh, if you know you can use anything other than user defaults within the setting apps for your app. <laughs> I think that would be interesting to know. Yeah. Speaking Just of, outsource all of our notes. Ex- I mean, <laughs> why not? Speaking of yeah. which, so do you know how how do you work with user defaults in code? Um, like as far as instantiating? Yes. So the defaults your app uses, they're read from the user's defaults database at runtime, right? 
Yeah. Um, yeah. The info is cached, and the database isn't therefore isn't touched after the initial read unless you update something. Uh, uh, well, I don't know what happens behind the scenes, um, nor do I really care, to be honest. <laughs> well, yeah. if you so if you if they change a default value, your mm-hmm. app would need to behave appropriately. Like it needs mm. it needs to store it at at that time, right? Like you can't just read everything at runtime and then let them change a bunch of user defaults, but then force them to close the app and open it before they can see what they just set, right? Oh, I see, I see what you're saying. Yeah, well, see, this is when you get into actual implementation of the code. Um, so what I'm thinking about, like something I save into user defaults, we'll use the, um, the time I mentioned before. So let's say that's a, a time picker, like, um, like a date picker or something like that, but it's, it's just time. Uh, so I use that little scroll wheel and I select the new time. As soon as I select that new time and it saves to user defaults, on that view, it's already on that time. So I don't need to change anything. But I, what I do need to do is when it stops on that time and I want to save that, I need to call the set method on my user defaults to save that time into the object that I'm saving. So mm-hmm. let's say that's a, um, a Unix timestamp. So that's going to be like uh, uh, on iOS, that's seconds. So you would just do that as an int um, or a double or something like that. Oh, yeah, I think that would be, I think they save it as a double. So um, yeah, so you would just save it as a double in uh, user defaults. Mm-hmm. The next time I go to that view, obviously what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to read anything that's saved there. And so at that point, I would be pulling from user defaults. Right. Um, if you need other parts of your app to update, let's say I'm displaying the time that uh, uh, that gets that's going to be you're going to be notified on like the main screen, and that's on the view prior. Let's say it's um, a UI navigation controller, and I've pushed the settings view on top. I'm changing the the time on there, and then I'm going back. I think this goes to what you were talking about, where this is not necessarily going to update because I changed the user settings and I went back to uh, the previous view. It didn't necessarily hear that that changed. Right. So now I've got to decide how I want to inform that previous view that it changed. Um, and there are several ways to do that. Um, I think you have an idea in mind, so I'm going to let you do that. But um, there's a couple of ways that we've talked about in the past that you could also use. We've talked about the delegate method. We've talked about notifications. You could use either one of those. Or when you get back to that previous view and a view did appear, that's when you could call for the user defaults again and update any views that have to do with that. You had another idea. What were you thinking? What was my other idea? Because I think you were going to talk about uh, <laughs> like observing oh, the, uh, the keys, correct? There you go, skipping ahead in the notes again. Well, you asked about it. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, yeah. No, let's let's. I'm gonna go with the, I'm gonna go with the conversation over the notes every, every time. <laughs> let's wait until we get to that point. Uh, well, you asked. Why? <laughs> I'm gonna blame you for that. Okay, you know what? That's fine. That's fine. All right, so let's get into the nitty-gritty. And I just spoke a lot, so I'm going to let you do a lot of speaking here, Zach. Sure. Um, um, so how do, you, how do you set values? Well, let's back up a little. I think oh, there's th- more. There's, there's a couple things to keep in mind, right? 
Okay. User defaults are stored locally on a single device. Yeah. So if you have the same app on your phone and your iPad, if you're just using plain user defaults, their settings or their defaults won't uh, be connected throughout each device. If you would like to do that, then you need to use NS Ubiquitous Key Value Store. And so that class will allow you to store the defaults in iCloud and then sync them across other devices that have access to that account. So this is not a part of user defaults. This is used instead of user defaults. Exactly. Exactly. And this this is essentially using iCloud, correct? Yes. Yeah, you have to okay. you have to, you know, work with iCloud to get this to work properly. Um, cool. And b- before we do anything, you need to remember that you need to create an instance of the user defaults class. So, you know, let defaults equals user defaults dot standard. Um, unfortunately, not dot default, as we discussed yeah, before. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so the user defaults class, it's got an overloaded set function. Um, so you can call set any four key string. And uh, it's basically a key or a dictionary, right? So you've got your, yeah. you've got your keys, which will be a string. And then you have what you want to set for that string that is a key. Um, and you can use an any object. You can use a float, double, int, bool, even a URL if you'd yeah. like. Yeah. And that's what makes this so easy is for just any object, you could say set this object for the key, and the key is a string. Now, this is a part that I'm not a huge fan of, but you get used to. These are hard-coded strings, so you might want to put them in some sort of shared file where you have all your strings. Uh, so, or, or if it's always in one file that you set and retrieve, then you hard-code those strings there, but that's just something to keep in mind, that this is something that is a string, and if you make a typo, if you're typing the string over and over again, you make a typo, it will fail. That's very true. And it's it's funny that I feel like we keep running across that in Swift that you don't see quite as often in other languages is the idea of I, hard-coded I di- strings. Oh, I disagree with that. I feel really? like um, Swift has significantly less of these than in, say, web development uh, or Java. See, I, uh, I work in Java web development, and we don't have too many things that are hard-coded. Uh, in fact, we actively... Stay away from hard-coded well, strings. Yeah, see, th- there are methods to keep you away from this, but, man, when I'm thinking of, like, the, some of the Angular stuff I've, I've worked with, it's nothing but strings. In fact, you've got no help at all. Like, you're writing your code in a string. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it, you don't get any help from the mm. compiler at all because can, it's a like string. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, I haven't done a lot. Of, I've, I've had training in Angular, but no actual development in it. But yeah. it, I, I can see that. Yeah, and you know, and you could use stuff like enums to protect yourself here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, you could use an enum that's a of like of a, a string type enum, like um, that'd be a protocol, but I don't know. But it would be you know a string that uh, outputs an enum and use the raw value there. Yeah. And so now you're now you're not using hard coded strings; you're using an enum, but that's a that's a little more advanced and. Heck, if that's uh, if that's something you're curious about to get away from hard-coded strings, start thinking about using enums more. 
um, with uh, strings as raw values, and that should help you out. Yeah, I like that. I like that idea. I'll, I'll take a look into that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the set function is basically the same across all of the objects. It's set followed by two parameters, with the first being the value, um, and the second being the key, which will always be a string. Um, yep. Something that is interesting is that because the set function, uh, there's a set function that exists that takes an object of type any, you can use it with things like arrays and dictionaries. So you can have a default dictionary. That's that's really cool, but it makes me wonder like how deep can you go with this? Right. Um, I just, what was the? Oh, I can't think of it right now, but. Um, Oh man, the NS Archiver or something like that. Um, I think it's Keyed Archiver, isn't it? Key, yeah, Keyed Archive. That you had to make sure that every object underneath adhered to Keyed Archiver or Keyed Archive or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, I, I'd, be, I'd just be curious how deep you can go with this. Can you have a dictionary that contains an array, that contains a dictionary, that contains an array, and contains <laughs> other objects that are not you know, easily broken down into primitives? Yep. Um, like how deep can you go before, as long as you can pull it out? I don't know. It's just, that's, that's something that's curious to me or does Swift figure that out for you? Yeah. And I think another thing to keep in mind with user defaults is you probably wouldn't want to store something like that in oh, user yeah. defaults because it's, it's meant to be lightweight. Yes. Um, you're not going to be shoving something that's massive inside of user defaults and then retrieving it. Well, well, you wouldn't. You, may, you wouldn't you may, want. To. You may think that you. Sh- you would. Yeah, you would think you wouldn't want to. Best. Um, how about? I, how about this is the new thing we're going to say on the show. Best, best practices. practices. Yeah. <laughs> argue. That's the way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I, I think back. Because uh, Android has something similar to this, and um, man, I've seen all sorts of stuff shoved into uh, <laughs> essentially the the user defaults. I forgot what it's called in Android though. Um, but yeah. So. I've seen projects where people put entire databases into the user defaults, and it's like, well, that's what core data is for. But I guess if you don't, <laughs> if you don't want to deal with core data, you could store large amounts of information in user defaults. Yes, yes, you can. If 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 you really want to go that route, I don't suggest it. I do think it's capped at a certain amount, though. That's something that um, I've, oh, I forgot to look at before this, but I do think it's capped at a certain amount. And if anybody knows this, also another thing, let's outsource our notes here let's again. Let's keep going. Too. Let's, yeah, um, let's keep yeah. it rolling. <laughs> let, us, let us know if you know that uh, user defaults get capped at a certain value amount. I, have, I vaguely remember something like uh, uh, there's a certain value out there. I, yeah. I don't, I don't want to throw out numbers, but you know, there's something out there I think it's limited to. We can start handing out fictional fireside points. There we go. For, for people that answer the questions. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> they don't do anything. You can't buy anything with no, them. But they're completely be, useless. It's like, a, it's like a new crypto coin. It'd be like the mm-hmm. fireside coin. Um, exactly. Except this is like worth negative, point, negative uh, money mm-hmm. um, because you're taking your time to give it to us. Uh, <laughs> we're just giving you a fake value for it. Oh, you get talked about on the show. That's worth something. That's worth something, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> okay, so now we have our objects in user defaults. Now we need to retrieve them. Yes. So, and go how ahead. do we do that? No, I was going to ask you, how do we do that? <laughs> um, basically, you're calling, um, 
another another function and the function's name is going to be the object you're trying to retrieve so if you are you know, trying to retrieve a dictionary the function yep. will be named dictionary and then the parameter will be for key which will be of type string yep um so if you were if you wanted to string you will do string for key uh for key string right yep um and now a lot of these will return whatever object is associated with a specified key or they'll return nil if the key does not exist or its value is not in the array. So you need yes. to remember that. Like you'll be working with optionals a bunch. Yep. Yep. So be comfortable with optionals uh, when you're working with this. Uh, what's the... Um, oh, I forgot what the question... What's question mark, question mark called? What's the uh, the name for that? Um, is that the turn? Uh, I... I I actually call it the default operator, but uh, I have no idea what it's actually called. Um, but you know, think about that. Like, if if you are if your user is going to your settings page the first time and they have not entered any values for these, and so it comes back as nil for all of them, uh, you're going to want to provide default values for that. So think about that. Like, when it comes back as nil. Make sure you use question mark question mark to set the value to something sane, something that you would expect <laughs> the default should be. Yes, for your uh, app. Yeah, and there are a couple of really interesting ones that um, they don't return nil, and what they return is something that I feel is confusing. So, say you have a boolean in your mm -hmm. user default, so you call mm -hmm. bool for key whatever your name is. So mm -hmm. that will either return the Boolean value. If, if it doesn't exist, the method will return false. Yeah. So does that mean that your default was, was false or that it didn't <laughs> exist? Yeah. So make sure your default is false on that one. Right? And, yeah. and so like it, the same thing goes for integer, float, and double. Um, so you'll either get the associated value or zero. it'll return zero. <laughs> yeah. That's too bad. I'm surprised. I thought that would return nil. So that's that's a little depressing that it returns zero. I didn't know that. Yeah. And it, huh. what it means is you have to handle those particular functions differently than you would handle, say, the, uh, the well, function that returns an array. You could always use the default object... Uh, method to get it back so get object for key as opposed to integer for key because what you want instead of an integer right there is an optional integer correct and so that you know an int question mark is really what you're trying to get right so that's that would probably be the workaround there is instead of using the um, convenience functions of integer float double uh, you or even bool you can use the straight up object for key and then cast it as what it's supposed to be bool integer double float whatever right um, but okay so but in that case it's still you still have to do the extra work of doing the typecasting yeah but that's okay that's slightly more but that might be easier than translating between like oh it's zero because that's what it's supposed to be as opposed to it's, and that's that's Zero true because what, it, they never answered. What you're saying, what you're saying is true, but it doesn't make sense to me that you'll have four functions that work in one way and four functions that work in a different way. Yeah, well, I, again, I think it's convenience. 
yeah, if you want them all, like, really, they only need one one function for returning values here, and that's object for key, because that handles all of them. Right. So all of these probably use object for key under the covers, but they adds a little bit of convenience. Now, it surprises me that string returns a nil as opposed to an empty string, because <laughs> um, that, to me, would be the same thing as an integer, like, returning, you know, zero, but... I guess yeah. if you don't worry, worry worry about optionals, like let's say um, that's just something you don't you're not comfortable with yet. Yeah, using integer float double would help because you know it's uh, you're not going to get an optional value returned. It's zero or something. Right. Uh, yeah. It just it feels weird that you have to think about them in different ways. Yeah. So, again, that's programmer's choice. Um, however you want to do it, uh, you have the flexibility. But uh, note that those default values won't necessarily return nil. And, you know, that may be good or bad, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> exactly. Um, you can persist file references with user data, or user defaults. Okay. This... Uh, can be dangerous because you don't want to store the default of the actual URL of a file on a user's machine because they could move that file. Hmm. And so when your app retrieves, you know, whatever the URL was from user defaults, it is no longer valid. Mm -hmm. um, instead, what you can do is you create a thing called an NSURL bookmark. And there is, uh, there's a function called bookmark data and it takes in a variety of, <laughs> of parameters um and then you can persist that using the set whatever four key method okay um yeah. i don't really want to go into detail too much on this because i didn't quite grok it but we do have <laughs> we do wait, have wait notes. whoa 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 what did you just say grok <sighs> grok zach do you want me to say it again grok no no i, I... grok <laughs> that's like that's like you're turning into millennial here. Like uh, it's not, it, it almost sounds like you're saying on fleek to me. Um, Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> no, Zach, no. I no. am on fleek. Uh, yep. Uh, all right. Definite fleekness I'm, I'm, is I'm, happening. You don't see here. me shaking my fist at you, but I'm shaking my fist at you and telling you to get off my lawn. That's fine. <laughs> Shake all you want. <laughs> <laughs> you won't. You were not going to be able to after you uh, do your push-ups and sit-ups and such <laughs> that you need to do. Yeah, exactly. I won't be able to shake anything after that. <laughs> uh, all right. Anyways, um, back to here. So yeah, that's interesting. I haven't um, I haven't done anything with uh, saving URLs um, into uh, user defaults. I could see myself doing that more on a Mac app than a an iOS app, but like, I guess if you're saving photos, um, you might save those to, uh, to file instead of to the photo album or something like that, or a video or something like that. I could see that. Mm. Yep. So yeah, very interesting. Yes. And so the, the last couple of things here, uh, we have thread safety and user defaults is thread safe. And let me read you the exact quote from the documentation <laughs> header thread safety. Line underneath it. The user defaults class is thread safe. End of quote. End, end of documentation. <laughs> um, now, that's, that's interesting. I, I, 
I wish I could hear more about how it's thread safe and how and how it, you you could use it with thread safety. Um, but that does make me feel good that no matter what thread I call user defaults on, it's at least not going to crash my app. Um, and I do like that because core data, on the other hand, is not thread safe at all. And you can crash your app very easily um, by accessing something you shouldn't on the wrong thread. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's nice that user defaults handles that. But the question then would be, if I save something on one thread, at what point can I access it on a different thread that it would actually see the change? Yep. And that's kind of up in the air, right? So Yes. And yep. then we have uh, responding to defaults change, which you kind of covered earlier. And then you wanted me to talk about key value observing, but it clearly says Steve talks about this in the notes. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who wrote that. Um, that's, no, hey, I- that's the best part about being able to write the notes. <laughs> So I don't know if I could speak too much about this. Um, I have not used um, any uh, key value observing with uh, user defaults in the past. Um, I will say I'm using the uh, I am using value observing quite a bit now. Uh, just I've just gotten used to doing it in my everyday coding, where you make a variable, and then um, after you have uh, instantiated it uh you you start with the brackets and you put did set in there and then you could anytime that variable changes you can actually use that or there's also will set and and so and, you know other different things you can play with that mm-hmm. um i don't know have we ever talked about that on a previous episode no like the life cycle events um well it's not a life cycle event this is uh has to do with um variables in swift and uh it's, it's really value observing so um, maybe it's something we need to talk about in the future because right. I'm not going to I'm not going to give it enough justice right now. Yes, and, I, but, and I, what you yes, what you said is correct. But I always think yeah. of like view will set, view did set, which makes me think of life cycle of a yeah, view controller, which is why that comes out. Same yeah, thing for app in your app delegate. Yeah, so I guess it can be kind of a variable life cycle, but I don't want to think about it as a life cycle because it's it's really just you're observing when the changes right. to that that yeah. variable happen. No, yours um, yours is yours is more correct. Yeah. So I've been using that more and I I could see how you can um uh register an observer to uh uh you know uh to to uh, user defaults. Um I'm not I like again I haven't done this. Um I don't know if this is a part of uh, notification center or anything like that. Um, but uh, if anything, what you can do is anytime you change a user default, you can create your own notification, send that to the notification center, register for that notification, and then you'll know if that that value changed. Yep. So. Very nice. Yeah. And you can do that throughout your app, and that's uh, kind of a neat way of doing that without having to use delegate method or anything like that, but that is the notification pattern. So yes. we, we have talked about that in the past. Yes, we have. Um, and so I know we've, we've talked about how you don't want to store too much in user defaults throughout the show, but we never really explained why. Um, so basically what happens is when your app is loading up, you know, you have your launch screen or your splash screen or whatever you want to call it. And um, if you have a ton of stuff shoved into user defaults, the uh, loading all that information will slow down the launch of your app. Yep. So unless you have an amazing launch screen that you just yeah. want people to stare at and really fall in love with, 
then don't do it. And you know what? No, no one has a launch screen that that's that good. So just yes. don't. This reminds me of the first app I put on the App Store. Um, I did not use user defaults, but I did use um, NSKeyed Archiver for it, uh, for you know, persisting data that the user saved. And um, another thing I would do is um, I had a lot of objects that I wanted to set up that were used within the app. And I didn't, and I wanted when you're using the app to be as smooth as possible. So I wanted all of these objects loaded into an array at the start of the app. But there was a lot of collecting images and loading the images from files and you know saving them as a UI image and putting them into an array. And uh, so just basically creating this array was rather huge and <laughs> costly as far as time goes. And um, again, I didn't want this to slow down at all when you got into the app. So where was the best place to put it? As soon as the app started. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yes. So, so in order to mask uh, how long it took for the app to start, um, I did make an interesting looking loading like a splash screen um, <laughs> where it would show my company's logo. It would fade in. And it would hang out there for a while while it's loading everything. <laughs> <laughs> and then once everything loaded, which would take, you know, a couple seconds or so, which is a long time in the scheme of things, uh, yes. then all the, the clouds and the other things that would show up, it, was, looked like, it looked like it was in the sky. And then once those would load in, it would then pan down and then you were into the main screen of the app. And uh, I thought it looked really cool. It was kind of a neat way of masking all the stuff that was happening underneath. Uh, but yeah, it would have been better to uh, not have to do that. Maybe save it in Cortana or something like that. So you you hacked it, basically, is what you said. Oh, I totally hacked it. I didn't know how to use Cortana back then. So yeah. uh, this was my way of, of making that work as best I could. Nice. <laughs> so do you have any other defaulty things to add? Yeah, um, definitely one thing I wanted to talk about is what not to put into user defaults. Um, because especially, 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 especially with what uh, went down uh, with the world last week uh, with GDPR, um, do not, do not, I repeat, don't, do not, absolutely do not store user data like like their like their address their phone number their name their password their user login in use, uh, user defaults mm-hmm. um you don't want to do that um it is too easy to access by other people um this is uh personal data that can easily get out uh, you might think that only your app can access uh, user defaults. That's not true. There are other apps that ha- can have access to user defaults. It is possible to um, oh, encrypt the data that you put into that, but uh, then you're going to have to have your encryption method somewhere coded into your app um, with the keys for that. Um, I would recommend using the keychain instead. Um, and we haven't done an episode on that. We'll have to do an episode on that in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can use the uh, the secure enclave to save that information instead. And that is a much better way of doing that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So please, please. Add, uh, I mean, I know it's the easiest thing in the world, but do not save your uh, 
like the username and, and password into user defaults. Uh, yep. Just, it's just, I know it seems so easy. Just don't do it. <laughs> Good call. Yeah. All right. Uh, that, I think that's, that's all I have. Awesome. So let's hit, let's hit the outro. Okay. So we've, we've got a couple of shout outs. Um, yes, we do. I have a new favorite podcasting app and it's Breaker. Ah. Um, so what, what is it about Breaker that you like? Cause uh, you got me into this too. So I really enjoy the social aspect of it. Um, when I open like, so what I use for forever was just the default podcast app um, that yeah. comes on your phone. Yeah. And it's, it's nice, and I like seeing the ratings and the reviews and all that. But with Breaker, I can actually, you know, see how many people are subscribed to Fireside Swift. A total of 14 right now, <laughs> which is yeah. awesome. Um, yeah. But it also that's gives more, you, That's more than two. You that know. is more than two. That is more yeah. than two. But it also gives <laughs> you a chance to uh, interact with listeners that you don't have really on a uh, the regular podcast app because users can comment on an episode by episode basis. And I think it timestamps their comment, like where they yeah. were at the episode. So, you know, it's, it's fun on Twitter when I hear someone say, Oh, by the way, you said this. Well, our, our episodes are between an hour and an hour and a half long. And so sometimes going back and if I don't remember it off the top of my head, going back and trying to find it can be difficult. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that timestamp can be very valuable. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I just got on Breaker a little while ago um, yeah, from your suggestion, Zach. And uh, so I'm still exploring. It does have... So I'm a longtime Overcast user, and I'm not sure what it'll take to get me off Overcast. Um, but I, I do want to explore Breaker a little bit because I do like the social aspect of it. I think it's an interesting way to find new podcasts out. Like... Mm-hmm. Um, because you can follow other people. It's kind of like Twitter in that sense. Like they could follow you, you could follow them, and you could see what podcast they're listening to. And it's like, well, maybe I'm interested in that podcast. And so, you know, I respect this person, and they're obviously they like this podcast. Maybe that's something I want to listen to. Um, I think that's a really cool thing, and something that um, I know Overcast tried to do to some degree um, with the Twitter integration back when Marco first made it. But uh, that seemed to either go away or I, I, I don't know. There's not much, there's not much in overcast to help me find new podcasts uh, besides the ads. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I, I don't know. And there's, there's something to be said about like privacy and whatnot. But um, right now I, I think it's a good thing. Not everybody has to be on breaker. Like, right. You know, it's not for everybody. It's like not everybody's on Twitter, not everybody's on Facebook or Instagram yep. and those kind of things. Um, like I'm not on Facebook. I, I have a Facebook, but I don't do anything on it. Yep. Um, so I don't consider myself on it. Same thing with Instagram. Like I'm on Instagram, but I don't post anything there. Yes. Uh, so you, you're not going to reach me there. Like <laughs> you try sending me a message on Facebook or Instagram, it's like going into the ether for me. Um, so I. I think Breaker could be kind of like the Twitter of the podcasting sphere. And I think that's neat that there's something like that out there. Um, yeah. And uh, part of this, too, is uh, last year I saw Leah. Um, oh, what's Leah's last name? Culver. Culver. So I saw Leah Culver speak at AltConf. Um, so I'd expect uh, them to be there this year, uh, you know, hopefully uh, talking about the success of Breaker. 
instead yep. of that it was just an idea that they were just getting started on. That would be awesome. I'm um, I'm anxiously awaiting to see what happens with that app. Um, something really cool that happened today is you and I are both on Breaker, and someone subscribed to Fireside Swift, and yeah. we, we got a notification. Yeah, which that's, is that's awesome. That's pretty cool. I, I like that. Um, you know, we, we've we've talked about how we're egomaniacs in the past, and how for sure, uh, you know, this is why we love getting reviews because it strokes our ego. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so that's just another thing that's like a little little dose of uh, endorphins anytime uh, I see a notification that another person <laughs> subscribed. So for very sure. cool. <laughs> yeah, and they also have a, a a pretty cool export feature, or actually an import, import feature, not export. Import. Uh, they probably have an export as well, I'd assume. Uh, but uh, I haven't done it yet. Uh, you did it though, right, Zach? You I did exported it. everything from the podcast app into this. Yes, I I, it, I think when I first opened it, it said, you know, these are your podcasts you've listened to. Do you want them? Do you want to subscribe to them here? And you just hit yes, and they're all there, which is amazing because that's one of the big problems switching from apps from app yeah. to app that does a similar thing is okay i know i've subscribed to 40 podcasts and yeah. then like bouncing back and forth between the apps as you search for each one individually so that was a big quality of life improvement yeah um i know overcast has an export feature where you can export to a certain file and then use that same file to export into Breaker. So I know that's it's possible. I just haven't done it yet. Okay. Um, so I'll let you know how that goes. I'll probably do that this week to just give it a shot. Good luck. Yeah. All right. Um, okay, so also want to give a shout-out. Um, I was... Uh, at our last meetup, I was speaking to uh, Victoria Herrick, uh, and she won a WWDC scholarship. Congratulations. And, um, yeah, so that got me thinking, like, hey, congratulations, Victoria. That's awesome. Um, we have uh, talked about Victoria in the past. Uh, she's done some really cool stuff uh, at the meetups and, you know, with us, uh, you know, it, with the podcast and everything. And she was on the – she was the first guest, I think, on the Learn Swift podcast, right? Uh, I think you're right, yes. Yeah, I think she was. Um so, you know, that's awesome for her, especially to see somebody go from like, you know, getting started on learn. Well, actually, I remember I've seen her at our meetups for, uh, I think, over a year now, like starting from nothing, going to now being a WWDC scholarship winner. Uh, so she's getting to go to uh, Dub Dub and they're paying for the whole thing. And that's awesome. Uh, but I also want to congratulate everyone else that has won these scholarships because she walked me through everything that she had to do to even apply for the scholarship and so it's pretty amazing to anybody that wins this uh that uh it's just super impressive and um i i i just love to see that growth and uh that it's it's possible out there so you know just another push for everybody else who you either doesn't think they're good enough or hasn't tried that hey you know you all are. you need to do yeah you're good enough you're all good you gotta enough. do is go try you just need to start like and you know start now uh and next year you could be a scholarship winner too for so, sure I think it's Believe really me, cool. and if you if i can if i can come on this podcast then you are good enough yep if i if i can do a thing <laughs> that people listen to then you are good enough to get a wwdc scholarship just give Absolutely. it a shot. 
and, and yeah. you know what if you don't get it for whatever reason because i imagine there are quite a few people out there that don't don't get discouraged by that um yeah you know that you had the guts and the fortitude enough to actually try to do it and uh my guess is you'll probably learn something along the way too Totally. I mean, I, I would assume there's probably thousands of scholarship uh, submissions every year. So if you fail this year, it's okay. Like, I mean, A, you probably learned a ton just even submitting. Because, again, thinking about all the stuff that you have to do to submit to become a, a scholarship winner, like, you will learn a lot through that. And maybe even after, like, next year, you won't even need it because you'll have a job in the, the iOS uh, market. And, there you, you know, that's, uh, that's your, your goal anyway. So... Uh, you know, congratulations to everyone who won. Good luck for everyone who's going to try next year. And uh, really looking forward to Dub Dub this year. Yes. Yep. So on um, to the Swift Coders Network. Yeah. So what do we got new in the Swift Coders Network? So Garrick's uh, last episode, he spoke with a couple of the organizers of Swift Fest, Giorgio Natili and Sean, I'm going to kill this last name, <laughs> Olszewski. <laughs> That's how I'm going to go yes. with it. Olszewski. Better than uh, I can do. Sure. Yeah. I'd, I'd recommend it if you're thinking about going to that conference. Just make sure you use the code Fireside20 instead of his <laughs> shorter, less awesome code. Um, yeah, his, his doesn't have fire in it. So. Yeah, right. And you get to type more with ours, which is generally a good thing. Oh, yeah, practice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and Garrick is also going to be uh, an MC at uh, SwiftFest, correct? Correct. So that's that's pretty cool. It is. I wish I, wish I could go and uh, watch, just watch him MC. Yeah, so for you East Coasters, just go to SwiftFest so you can meet Garrick. Uh, he's a great guy. Uh, so that'll give you a chance to meet him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so should, what's going on? I think well, he should play ahead. a little blues harmonica before. Oh, he each. should. Yeah. yeah. No, sure. he should bring his bring his uh, flute there. Yeah, the one that he still <laughs> owes the guy for. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, that one. Uh, uh, <laughs> how about uh, Learn Swift? What's going on there? So uh, we missed, you know, last week's episode. So now Stephen Sherry from Learn Swift has caught up with us uh, by one episode. Right, he's nice. one episode closer. Uh, two weeks ago, he had on Eman. From the Swiftcraft podcast, and that's they, cool. They talked about Eman's background and the issues that most devs face when they're learning something new. That kind of maybe can tie back into that whole WWDC scholarship, you know, application that some people haven't done. Um, Absolutely. And then the last episode he had was with Sam Jarman, who is an iOS dev at the Bank of New Zealand. Very cool. Um, yeah, that sounds like two great episodes to listen to. So. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm behind in my podcast listening, so I haven't listened to either of them, but uh, I'm looking forward to them. So where are you in your blog post writing? <laughs> I was going to talk to you about that today after the show. <laughs> um, but actually, no, this is great. Um, so one of the things I've realized about myself is I hate writing blog posts. Um, I think I've mentioned it before that I dislike it. Um, I think I actually have moved to hate writing blog posts. It's just not oh, something no. that I like doing at all. Um, so that being said, this is something that I want to continue doing, but don't expect a lot of it. Um, and I think this is... I think it's okay. Now, you know, you may not feel the same as me, but, you know, we all live different lives. Um, I don't think we all have to like to do everything around uh, the world of development. We don't all For have sure. to be blog post writers. We don't have to be 
we don't all have to have a podcast. We don't all have to be great at Twitter. Uh, everybody's different. And this is one of the things that I'm learning I don't enjoy doing at all. I do want to do some blog posts from time to time. I just think that it's, uh, it's going to be pretty rare for me to write those. Um, and uh, really, I think uh, what will be best is to get somebody who does like writing blog posts to, to come in. We do have a platform for you. Uh, like Luke, uh, Luke came in and he wrote a great blog post. Um, and, uh, we definitely want to support more people. So, uh, if you're interested in writing blog posts, uh, we've got a platform for you. Uh, it's just not something that, uh, I'll be doing a lot of, to be honest. You know what? That's fair enough. If it's not something, uh, in this case, I feel like you, if you're going to put out a good product, you're going to have to love writing blog posts. And if you don't, you don't, that's perfectly fine. Yep. I'm I'm kind of middle ground with it. I don't think I'm the best at it, but at times I get into it and I do enjoy it, so we'll see. But if you're yeah. gonna if you're gonna step back a little bit, that's not a problem for me. Yeah. And I think uh with my schedule the way it's going, um to do something I don't enjoy that much, or at least make <laughs> to set something I don't enjoy on a schedule is unfair to everyone else because Yep. Yeah, it's just, it, yeah. I, I, I'm finding that I'll do anything else than write the blog post. I'll go clean the apartment instead of writing the blog post. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I won't hold you to it. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, anything else that we want to talk about, Zach? Yes, real quick. I know we've already done shout-outs. I want to add one more. Um, to everybody who came out to dinner with me at Torchy's on Tuesday, uh, Eddie, Chris, Daniel, and Michael, we had a great time, um, talked a lot about Swift, ate some awesome tacos, and I'd like to do it again soon. Awesome. So now Zach has officially entered the world of leading a meetup. So congratulations, Zach. I mean, if you have tacos there, I'll pretty much show up. Yeah. There's a meetup that's here in Santa Monica that's every Tuesday night, and all they do is go have dinner. They don't necessarily talk Swift, but they're all Swift developers. And, you know, their projects will come up and they'll talk about it, but it's really just to have dinner and hang out with the community. So that, that is a meetup. Sounds like my kind of people. All right, now yep. we really need to end this episode because it's already <laughs> yeah. gone on for too long. Oh, yeah, it definitely has. Well, thank you all for coming out, and we'll see you next week. Y'all have a good one. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm doing this workout tomorrow at CrossFit. A, I probably shouldn't do this. Um, Just work but, out in general, or this specific I mean, I workout? Work, I, I feel I, this was this very specific workout. It's called Murph. Um, it's a well-known CrossFit workout. Murph. 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 Um, Murph. It's uh, I could probably look it up. It's uh. A Navy SEAL who passed away. Ah. Uh, Murph. CrossFit. Let's see if I can find out. Murph. One mile run for time. 
Yeah, Lieutenant Michael Murphy. Um, he was killed in Afghanistan June 28, 2005. This workout was one of Mike's favorites, and he named it Body Armor. <laughs> From here on, it will be referred to as Murph in honor of the focused warrior and great American who wanted nothing more in life than to serve this great country and the beautiful people who make, make it what it is. Partition the... Okay, so anyways, it is <laughs> two miles... Yeah, mile run. It does, it's a nice little sandwich, right? With, yeah, with mile yeah. long run slices. Yeah, of bread. so a mile mile run, one hundred pull ups, two hundred push ups, three hundred squats, and then a mile run at the end. Yeah, but and you can do the pull ups, push ups, and squats in whatever order whatever order you to. want to. Yeah, I, I don't know how our gym's going to do it. Usually, the way it's done, I did a half Murph last week. And it was broken up in kind of a pyramid form. It was like, um, oh, I think we did like 10 pull-ups, 20 push-ups, 30 squats, and then 20 pull-ups, 40 push-ups, 60 squats. And then I think we did the the next step up. So 30 pull-ups, 60 push-ups. 90 squats and then we went back down so wow uh yeah 20 40 60 and then 10 20 30 and that was supposed to make it easier (laughs) it did did it okay it did not (laughs) i don't think there's anything you can do to make this easier there's just not well there is a way to make it harder for one if you just do like you're not allowed to go to the the push-ups until you do all the pull-ups that makes it harder if, yeah. you're not, yeah, well, if you're not allowed to go to the squats until you finish the push-ups, that makes it harder. Right, but when you say make it easier, that there's some sort of... Uh, like, there's a connotation that yeah. it's not actually as hard as it is. And no, I'm, I, there's nothing you could do. I could do one pull-up followed by one push-up followed by one squat <laughs> over and over again until I hit yeah. those numbers and it would still be terrible. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, a, a lot of... like. A lot of energy is spent in transitions, so that's one of the reasons why we did fewer transitions. Because when you're doing pull-ups, transition, you know, dropping off the bar, getting down, and doing push-ups, that takes some energy. Right. And then getting getting up from the push-ups and starting to do squats, that takes some energy. And then jumping back onto the bar, that takes some energy. So there's so, a tactical aspect to everything. Exactly. And oh. so I have no idea how our gym is going to structure it, if we're going to do it that way again, where it's that pyramid, where it's like the pyramid of doom, where eventually it gets to be insane, or they just say, all right, get some chalk out and put little tick marks on the ground <laughs> and <laughs> count how many times you do this. I don't know. Um, I, again, I probably shouldn't do it because I know I can't do it, but I'm going to try. So what... What happens if you drop out or whatever? Or is there no dropping out? There's no dropping out. So um, you, t- you take week, as long as you need. You, yeah, you take as long as you need to take. Next week, <laughs> when you're when you're still murfing, we can have a we'll have a mid murf check in. Yeah, I'll get like a, a a chest mic. You know, one of those the ones that they uh, what, what, lapel mic. I'll get a lapel yes. mic, and so that way we can conduct the the podcast while I'm doing push ups. Yes. <laughs> 201. <laughs> That'd be too many squat. push-ups. Squats. Oh, squats. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the squats are the easy part, actually. Um, 
Except yeah. for like those will wear you out as far as um, like aerobic style. Like you know, I, I get dizzy on squats because I don't breathe properly during them, and so yeah. But those are those are actually the definitely the easiest part of this. Maybe the run could be technically easier, but um, oh yeah, no, give me give me the two runs all day. Yeah, I yeah. can do that. No problem. Yeah. So Although, the, the run, I think it'll be fine. A one mile run after 300 squats would be sounds a little, awful. N- oh, would no, be a little not, noodly legged. Yeah. yeah, actually, when I did the half Murph, I didn't actually do the half mile run at the end. I was just so tired. Um, but then again, like we did it in like a half hour, and everything was wrapping up. Like I could have gone out and run. Like I wasn't like dead. I I could have gone out and done like a a you know half oh. mile jog. Yeah. But oh, so this one I figure I figure it's gonna probably take me about two hours, <laughs> as long as they're willing to wait for me, I can do it. Well, it was I'm nice just gonna, knowing you. Yeah, I'm gonna try to scale everything though. Like, um, I, there's no way I'm doing this actual push-ups, or sorry, not <laughs> sorry, like a, wait, actual what? pull-ups. So it's like there are ways to scale this down. Like, obviously, if you're gonna do Murph for like the way it's prescribed, is you do. Um, either strict pull-ups or kipping pull-ups or butterfly Mm -hmm. pull-ups. Butterfly and kipping are more technical, but they're easier to do than strict pull-ups. Yes, I've seen butterfly. What's a kipping pull-up? So kipping pull-up, it's really weird. Um, Yeah, it takes twice as long as a butterfly pull-up because you're... When you kip, uh, how do I describe this with words? Oh, as opposed wait, to I've visually? I've seen the kipping. Maybe I haven't seen the butterfly. Okay, yeah, because the kipping is like a gymnastics move where you're using your arms to swing on the bar, and then you get to where you're basically weightless, and you pull yourself towards the bar, and then you yeah. and then you kick forward, and then when you kick back again, you push away from the bar. Let it swing you down, and then swing right. up, pull towards the bar. Um, with oh, butterfly, I've seen, I've seen butterflies as well. I just didn't know the name of it. Okay. Yeah, butterfly is just a one continuous circle thing. It's it looks really weird, um, but man, if I, I I've never been able to do a butterfly, but I haven't tried really that hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, at any rate, I can't do a, th- a hundred of those. I, I just can't. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to start completely as scaled as I can get, which is ring rows. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where you get rings. You lean back. So you keep your legs as straight as possible. And then you hold on to two rings and you pull them towards yourself. So you're kind of at an angle, probably at uh, least 45 to five degree angle. Yeah. Um, th- the closer you get to 90 degrees with the floor, the harder those get, but right. those will never be as hard as an actual pull up. Right. So I could do 100 of those. So I'm going to do that. (laughs) And as far as push-ups go, I hate doing the scaled push-up, which is from your knees. Yes. Because it hurts my my knees. Uh, Same here. I'd rather do a full push-up. Yeah, but when push-ups go, they're gone. Like, so (laughs) I'm going to... There's no getting them back. There's no getting them back. Uh, So I'm probably going to take a lot of breaks with my push-ups and maybe get a yoga mat and try mm-hmm. to do them for my knees um, because, or maybe even do them from a box. Uh, see if Jackson's cool with me doing that um, because I just don't, I, there's no way I'm doing 200 regular pushups. I could, I could do 
maybe 50 of those. Actually, no, I think I did like 60 of those um, when we did the half Murph. But that's not even halfway. <laughs> so, right. yeah. And squats, I, I think will be fine. I'm just going to have to like power through those. So and I might be dead out. tomorrow. You have yeah. you have a very interesting um, thought process going into this. Like each yeah. one of these things, it sounds like it. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're like I can't. I'm not gonna be able to do this, this, or this. But you know, if you combine them and I go to a gym, <laughs> let's knock them all out at once. It's fine. Well, I mean, honestly, that's how this works, right? Like when I go to CrossFit, I if I if I never look at what the workout is before I go. This is like one of the few times I actually know the workout ahead of time. Um, I almost never look at the workout beforehand because I would look at it and go, I can't do that. There's, right. I, just can't, I, can't, I can't do that. But when you're there and after you've done the warm-up, you're like, all right, let's, let's do this. Let's see how far I get. And then while you're in the thick of it, A, there's a point when you're like, I, I really can't do this. But there's also a point where it's like, I can't stop. Like Everybody's looking at me like everybody <laughs> expects me to do this. And right. somehow you get through it. Um, yeah, and that's why I go to the gym. Like, that's why I go to CrossFit in particular. Like, if I go to the gym, which I used to do, I don't really work out. Like, I will do, like, my little routine, but it's not pushing me. So, so you, I, need I, I, you need eyes on you? Is that what you're saying? I, I need somebody, like, to have a program and motivate me and push me. Like, because that's, that's when you actually get the benefit of working out is when you push yourself. Yes. I mean, there is something to be said about just doing what you did before, like to keep your like like aerobics and stuff like that. If you just run a mile every day, that's great. Like that's there's benefit to that. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to get to running a marathon by running a mile every day. So I need somebody to push me to go a little bit further every day. I get that. That that makes yeah. sense. I uh, I'm not that way, and I don't know if it's just because of high school and football. And yeah. you just couldn't have someone with you all the time. I mean, you had workout. Yeah. Partners. Well, you had your you had your coach too, right? Like, well, are yeah, you talking but, about off season? But there was yeah, exactly the off season. Okay. So there's a lot of time when it was just me alone in the gym. Yeah. I mean, and I, the thing I, is, I that's that's what nobody sees. But yeah, once it came time to get back out there, you could tell who did it and yeah. who didn't very yeah. easily. It's like I could do that too. I I did that for um, ROTC uh, because I got tired of being like I don't know worn out during the um, what was it called like the mandatory workouts that we did uh, PTO or something. No, that's paid time off, right? PT <laughs> PT. <laughs> PT physical training. Did you get a lot of PTO? Is that a- <laughs> Yeah, I get a lot of PTO. <laughs> uh, no, um, yeah, PT. Like, we would do PT, like, twice or three times a week. I don't remember what it was. Um, but I always hated not being the best at that. So I started, like, doing my own workouts to make PT easy. And after a while, I was, yeah, it was no problem. Yep. But That's how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, you could definitely see the ones that never do any PT. And it's, like, mm-hmm. obvious. Very so. obvious. The ones that are always struggling. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> well, that was... So. That, good what? luck. It looks like a, a smorgasbord of pain, is what oh, I yeah. would call it. 
Well, that's, I mean, that's CrossFit in general. Like, (laughs) (laughs) that is literally, if they could change the name from CrossFit to Smorgasbord of Pain, um, that would be an ideal name change. Yep. Because that's basically what it does. (laughs) I did, uh, I did Insanity a while back. Um, so I had, I was living, um, this is when I was living in Ridgecrest and, uh, one of my roommates there got uh, Xbox with a Kinect. Mm-hmm. And he was he was like, I'm going to get in shape. And so he got like all these workout things. And he's like, I'm doing the Insanity program. Uh, I already bought them. So if you want to do it with me, you know, uh, it's not going to cost you anything. I was like, at first I was like, no way am I doing that? <laughs> like, right. I'm not going to do that. And th- But my other roommate was like, yeah, I'll do it. And... After, like, I saw them getting ready, I'm like, I'm not going to be the only lazy roommate in this house. Like, I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to be that roommate. Like, so I got my gear on and, and we start doing it. Uh, like, the first first time I did it because I wasn't prepared, I almost threw up because it's just, like, a lot of cardio. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. And if you're not ready for that and you try to keep up with the people on the TV it's, and it's your first time, it's, it's not going to happen. No. Uh, <laughs> no, you don't want that. And so, but after a while, after doing it for like two months, um, yeah, it got to be where you could get through a whole workout, no problem. And then like eventually the program gets to being where you do two workouts in a row. And that was pretty intense. Um, but, uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That sounds, uh, uh, that, that sounds, I was never, I've never been able to do the at home workouts. Yeah the stuff on TV or YouTube or anything I've tried and it's just, it doesn't work for me. Hmm. So Lauren is awesome at it and she loves them. Really? And I just, I need to be, I don't know if it's a mindset or what, but I need to be out of the house, you know? Yeah. And, and in a place where working out is a thing that specifically happens. Gotcha. Like, okay. So a gym or a track or something like that. Yeah, or even just out the front door where I go for a, a few miles. Like, I just run a few miles. Like, just yeah. not not at the house. Not in the house. Yep. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it was a little weird working out in the house because uh, it was, like, in the living room. And in all reality, it was pretty gross. Um, You're just sweating. Like, did you, did you yeah, have carpet or was it, like, tile? We, we, we had carpet. Oh, and no. I, was, I wasn't renting the house, but I thought about it later. I'm like... This is really gross. We shouldn't do this. <laughs> oh man, that had to yeah. stink. Probably did, but you know, when you live there, you don't think about it. Uh, <laughs> what yeah. have like, y'all I been mean, doing in the living room? Yeah, like I don't smell rocky, but uh, you know, I'm sure if you came into my apartment, it would stink like dog. But I don't. I smell was. Them. I smell it when I come back from vacation. <laughs> I was at the farmers market yesterday, and there was a dog that looked exactly like Rocky. Really? And I was I was trying to take a picture of him, and the owner looked at me like I was a crazy person for some reason, <laughs> and walked away quickly. And I was like, "You can't do that." To you could you could have asked, was like, "I want to take a picture of Doggy." Well, like, so the thing is, I was I was just standing there. I was pushing the stroller. The two girls were in the stroller. Lauren uh-huh. was buying something, and uh, the you owner of the the, on, the owner of the dog was like two stands away buying something. And I was like, "Oh, just pull out the." pull out the phone, take a picture, send it to Steve. Um, uh-huh. The problem is the dog didn't cooperate and it turned around and walked uh-huh. under a table and I was like, ah. Uh. And so I had my phone up and like out 
And yeah. I didn't realize that the owner two yeah. stalls away had completed her purchase and was trying to leave. And I was just there, obviously, like, pointing my phone at her. <laughs> uh, it's okay. Awkward. These things happen. That's awesome. <laughs> You're a creepy person. I am. She just wanted to buy some tomatoes, and I'm just over there yeah. filming everything. I work yeah. for Google. Maybe that would have made yeah. it better. Just yeah, exactly. <laughs> Facebook. Actually, it would have been better if you said Facebook. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I work for Facebook. I'm making sure your profile matches your actual lifestyle. Did you check our updated privacy policy? I'm sure you received an email. Yeah, if we take pictures of you while you're in public, that doesn't uh, violate GDPR. Like, uh, (laughs) so now we can sell you ads about tomatoes because I found you in in real life. That's how that works. Do you think Facebook can toss me a couple of bucks since now they know that story? I'm sure. I would think so. Because yeah, this, I would is, think so. this is the thing that's going to live on the internet, so I assume Facebook knows about it. <laughs> yeah. That's how that works. <laughs> What's up, Zuck? Uh. <laughs> <laughs>